Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. My guest today is Alyssa Vitti, the best-selling author of Woman Code and the founder of FlowLiving.com, a virtual health center that's been treating the root causes of hormone imbalance and supporting women's hormonal and reproductive health for over a decade. Alyssa just launched MyFlow, a period tracker designed to help users fix symptoms, and schedule their lives according to their cycles. A graduate of Johns Hopkins University and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, Elisa has been featured on the Dr. Oz Show, has a web series on Lifetime, and has been a regular contributor for CBS, Fox, Shape, Women's Health, Mind Body Green, and the Huffington Post. She's presented widely, including at TEDx, Talks at Google, Summit Series Outside, Hay House, and the She Summit. It is such a pleasure today to bring you my guest and my friend, Elisa Vitti. Elisa, it is such a pleasure to get to hang out with you today and have you here and bring you to my listening audience because I know they're going to fall in love with you. So welcome. Thank you, Aviva. It's such a pleasure to chat with you. We always have such good conversations. <laughs> we do. Okay. So l- ladies who are listening, Alyssa recently got called the queen of periods. And it's so funny because that might not be like the thing that you think, wow, I love that, but you do. I would love it too. So tell me why you love that so much. Well, you know, I mean, you've got to picture me back when I was in sixth grade. So little Elisa, prepubescent with her little friends. And uh, we were just coming out of our first sex ed class where I was just told for the first time that there was something called a period that I would then have. And I, you know, mind blown, super excited. I, I think I had an odd, unusual reaction. Most of my friends were like, ew, gross. And I was like, oh are you kidding me? Did you know that this, you know, I, I, I was totally in the dark. Um, I had no prior exposure. I, I had the kind of mom that was afraid of all that kind of stuff. So we still haven't had the talk. It's really funny. Um, <laughs> so, so I have been, I started the period club right then and there at recess after that sex ed class. That's funny. I started the period. I was the founding president of the period club in sixth grade. And the, the main focus of the period club was to talk about our periods to talk about when we were going to get them, to do bathroom checks, when we might get them, and then, of course, to predict in which order which member of the period club was going to get her period first because we were all on the cusp of of, of that journey. And uh, it was, you know, so for me, it's a full circle <laughs> conversation to be dubbed the queen of periods. Um, you know, I love that. That's great. I I've love been doing, that. I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, I often say to parents, really pay attention to what your kids love when they're young. Because I, you know, as a midwife now for 30 something years, I've had a lot of opportunity yeah. to watch kids' passions turn into full on careers. I knew one kid who a a boy and he loved trains growing up and he became the transportation director for a major U.S. city. You know, it's just like, I was a super science-y geek, but I loved nature and, you know, just watching how we evolved. Okay. So you were the period queen, the period club that blows me away. I love that. (laughs) 
but but you haven't I, always. I basically, I'm like the, I, I'm the same. But you know, but my period was never an easy thing for me. That's what I was gonna say. Well, I have to tell you very quickly. My <laughs> my mom was very open. She was very. Mm you know, almost very reactive to the, to her more repressed mother's way of teaching her. My grandmother, who, you know, I love so much and learned so much from, could never say the word period. She called it a who's it's or a what's it's. That was it. And my mom was much more progressive. And so I knew my period would be coming. But the first time I got my period, or I usually say moon time, I got smacked across the face which is Jewish tradition. And oh, my, mom, okay. my mom basically said, you know, there's nothing bad about getting your period but smack. And that was such a mixed message. And thankfully, I've always had a really good relationship to my cycle. But I, I think it was because right. I started studying midwifery when I was 15. It kind of helped reframe my body yeah. in a positive way. But you, as you were saying, and let's go down this road, because I think it's, first of all, I think it's so powerful when women become what I call citizen scientists. You know, you have a problem. The medical system has zero good answers or safe answers, and you figure out what you need to do to heal yourself. And you've done that. And now you've done it for yourself and tens of thousands of other women. So tell us what your uneasy period relationship was. Yeah. I mean, and I never thought that the period club was going to, I mean, it ended, you know, once we went to junior high and I let that go, but it was interesting because I, like you, was really into science as a teenager and was fully planning to become an OBGYN. That was my destination. And I was at Hopkins and that was the plan. That was the game plan. But while I was at Hopkins, some of the things that had been percolating from 12 to, to that time when I was in school started really reached like a climactic moment. And so, you know, I was the girl who got her period last of all my friends. I was almost 16 before I was, it was three months before my 16th birthday when I got my period and it was irregular and I was having other symptoms. And I, I remember feeling like something was wrong and articulating mm. that um, to my parents, to my physician, and just being met with like, well, we can't find anything wrong with you. And it's pretty normal for girls to have irregular cycles for the little bit, first initial year or two. And it's you know nothing to be concerned about. But I had a knowing that I was off. And that, that off turned into like way out of what out of bounds by the time I was in college and my body just kind of blew up in a way like my weight ballooned to over 200 pounds I think it was like 205 to 10 I couldn't sleep at night but I was exhausted in the morning uh, my skin from the bust up 300 you know all around back front and center everywhere was just cystic acne. I would have to spend a half an hour in the morning taking under eye concealer and doing this thing I would call spackling just to cover the redness so that I could walk out without feeling ashamed of how I looked. Mm. And you could still see, I mean, cause it was lumps, it was lumpy, you know, so it wasn't like the makeup really hit it, but it just, it wasn't like screaming red. Um, and nothing, I mean, any, anything I tried, lotions and potions and retin-a and whatever the hell I tried on my skin none of that nothing resolved it and you know of course I was that was a decade of not menstruating pretty much regularly from 12 to 22 there was just no real cycle 
nothing was happening. And no one diagnosed me. And I, again, I grew up in Newton, Massachusetts. So I had access to Harvard trained GYNs as my, you know, initial, I couldn't wait to go for my first GYN visit, you know? <laughs> so as soon as I could, as soon as I finally got my first period, I went and nothing, nothing was noted out of the ordinary. And then when I was at Hopkins, I had a nice OBGYN there that was from, um, the medical practice there. And, and again, there was no, diagnosis. And so it was in one of my insomniacal nights at the library that I came across a study in, um, I believe it was an obstetrics journal because that's what I did with my spare time, um, mm -hmm. being a science nerd, true and true. Uh, and, uh, I found this little, uh, study about the Stein-Leventhal disorder yep. and I was reading the classic presentation of symptoms and I was like, all the bells rang, all the lights lit up. And I thought, this is me. I, th this is exactly me. Well, and let's and just put so, a pin in that for one second, yeah. if you don't mind. So this was Please. in the 19, uh, well, early 90s. 2000s, 90s, that you were reading That's, this. And yeah. Stein Leventhal identified this triad right. of PCOS in what, like 1935. So let's talk about right. a gap between the knowledge and the lack of diagnosis that you were, I mean, and this is, this is having an impact on your health, right? It's, it's not just not having a period. It's not having a period causes endometrial changes that can significantly increase a woman's risk of endometrial cancer and blood sugar problems that can really cause diabetes and a number of different problems. And this incredible, I mean, my heart is just like, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, this, you know, I just want to give Alyssa in her college years this hug and say, you're beautiful. And you have this whole life ahead of you that you're going to heal and help all these women. But back then I can only imagine the struggling and suffering when everyone's pairing up and, you know, being their skinny, oh, perfect yeah. selves at Hopkins. Oh and yeah. There was, there were no boyfriends. There were no, <laughs> it was a, it was a really definitely a hard lonely, isolating time. Um, and also a time where I knew I had this like inner voice guiding me that there was a, there was something that needed to be uncovered. And I was met with a lot of like, you know, brick walls. But yeah. when I discovered that obstetrics journal and that little, little article, you know, it was like, it was, it was a key. It was a key to open the door. So I walked to the door the next morning. So was, this is the middle of the night. So as soon as I could get to my OB the next morning, I waited for her in the parking lot. And, you know, she was a little taken aback. I was like, <laughs> we need to do, trans we need to do transvaginal ultrasound now before any of your patients come in. I can't wait. I'm mean, cause I had already waited. That was like seven years of not having some, some way to kind of resolve what was going on with me. So I couldn't wait another minute. So she, I mean, I don't know if she was terrified or took pity on me, but either way, I got my transvaginal ultrasound that morning. And, you know, she's like, look at that. You're right. You have the perfect little, you know, string, string of pearls. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. How, who would have thunk it? I'm like, okay, you should have thunk it. But, yeah. you know, that's another story. Um, and, and I said, okay. And again, you know, I was, I grew up in New England, as I mentioned, and I have this sort of like, very pragmatic approach to things. I'm like, so now what? Great. We know this. I'm not feeling emotional about having this diagnosis because I've lived, been living with it. And I, whatever emotions I have, it's just, I've been dealing with those every day. So I'm not feeling particularly emotional about this diagnosis. What I am feeling is inspired and on fire to get at it now. Now that we know what it is, I have the key. What do we do? How do we walk through the door fully? And she just said, you know, actually, Elisa, I don't have anything for you except the pill. And then as you progressively develop other sort of 
companion disorders to this, like diabetes, heart disease, cancer, and infertility, will just try to medicate you along the way and hope for the best. You know, and I'm 20 mm. receiving that diagnosis, and I just, it was a life-changing moment being in that chair, hearing that information. And it was like, I had like a little bit of like a deeply, it was not an out-of-body experience. It was like an, a deeper in-bodying kind of moment. And I just heard, no, that's not your future. So I opened my mouth because I, you know, it was like my brain was kind of short-circuiting. So I just opened my mouth and I said, no, thank you. You know, <laughs> I'm going to go, I said, no, thank you. And then like the rest of the words, I'm going to go take my very expensively trained mind. <laughs> you know, we were both alumni of Hopkins at this point. I said, I'm going to go take my very expensive trained mind. I'm going to figure this out. And this was before there was such a thing as functional medicine. You know, in the early 90s, there was not any of this kind of conversation going right. on. And so I, I began apprenticing myself with Ayurvedic practitioners, naturopathic doctors, herbalists, acupuncturists, as not only their guinea pig, but also their student, and really putting together uh, for myself sort of a robust education around, you know, how do you address the system as a whole from a root cause standpoint. And that coupled with more research I was doing and the things I was seeing coming out of the Human Genome Project around epigenetics and manipulating, you know, the, the thought just slapped me in the face. If we can manipulate genetic outcomes through diet and lifestyle, we can certainly address and improve glandular performance within the endocrine system by diet and lifestyle. And so the, the, the beginnings of my protocol sort of took shape from all of this experience. And and then when I finally pieced together the the five steps of the of what is now called the flow protocol, um, and I really began applying it in earnest because, mind you, during this apprenticeship, I had some really fun times <laughs> doing all sorts of fun times doing interesting things. Like one naturopath, God bless him, he he tried so hard. He really was convinced that my issues were candida based, which in retrospect was not the case. But that was the time where candida and that book was like real hot. You know, yes. so everything was candida. Everything. What was the name of that book? I forget. That fat candida book. I know. Um, I know. I'm, I'm seeing <laughs> it in my mind with the lines under the title. Yeah. Yeah. So he well, had me on this. And we run that risk even now. You know, I think it's really important. I want to just, if you don't mind, you made a really important shift. You know, language has a lot of power. Yes. And you made, you caught yourself, you started to say attack and you shifted yeah, it to address. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's a very important thing. One of the things that I'm adamant about in the students that I train in the people who work in my practice is I don't use the word complaint, right? So in, in medical parlance, we say a woman's chief complaints. And I say, mm. she's not complaining. She actually has symptoms that she's concerned about. So I use the word chief concern yeah. and you shifted yeah. from attack to address. And I, I just think, I just want to highlight that. And I know you did that intentionally because I think what happens is we're not just shifting the things that we're doing. We're not just shifting, you know, a pill for every ill to a supplement for every symptom. We're, mm. we're talking about something different, which is a whole shift in mindset about how women see their bodies. And medical model really is based on attacking. And, you know, when yeah. we think about it, even antibiotics, we think about antibiotics, what they're doing is attacking the bugs, but, but they're not actually what they're really doing is they are activating our own immune response or so our own immune response can protect us. And so I love that you caught that and you shifted that because I think we need to, we really need to have not just a medical tools shift, but a language shift. And also 
I think it is really important. The model that you take is a whole model of a whole woman. And it's not just say, okay, well now everything is candida or now everything is adrenal or now everything is thyroid. Let's, let's, how do we look at the whole picture? And, and that's really what you've done with the flow model. So tell us about that and how that works. So, I mean, basically there are five steps to the protocol because when I, when I dove into this and I thought, okay, how am I going to get a period to, to be a regular experience of my day of my monthly life when I haven't had one for a decade? How am I going to restart this? How am I going to, how am I going to address my metabolism so that I'm not walking around with 60 extra pounds on my frame? How am I going to address my insomnia and my moods? I mean, the anxiety and the depression that were happening were just epic. How am I going to address? I can't address them individually. That's just not, and it's not even how it works in the body. So I went down and just really boiled down to the root causes of, of all of this disruption that was happening in my endocrine system. And I looked at the order in which the endocrine system prefers to do things because it has its own system and process in place. And so it was really about supporting that. So the first place which, you know, I know, I know you and I share so many things in terms of values in common about how we address the body. So forgive me if this is redundant for you, but you know, the, basically in the endocrine function, the most important thing that's happening according to the brain, the heart and the muscle tissue is the sugar conversation. So if we're going to be able to open larger into a conversation with the adrenals, with the ovary, we are going to have to make sure that the sugar conversation is being stabilized and protected at all costs. And so that's the first step of the protocol. Let's get that blood sugar addressed in a way that's just, it's no longer an issue. We're not having these highs and lows. We're not binging. We're not starving. We're not doing anything that causes a big swing. We're really just keeping a nice gentle undulation around the stasis line with good quality carbohydrates, um, with good quality fats, with good quality protein, with vegetables, with fruit, with chocolate, with all the things that <laughs> are, are pleasurable and healthy and wholesome for you, which really nourish um, the sugar stores in the body. And once that sort of piece gets addressed, then we move into the second step, which is really ad addressing the adrenal piece, because stress is the first way in which we can quickly undo all of our good work around blood sugar. And, you know, looking at the different kinds of stressors that we have from disrupted sleep to, you know, just the thought process around having to rush everywhere and not taking enough time for ourselves eating foods that we might have some sort of allergic kind of response to or, or, you know, consuming foods that create a leaky gut that then create inflammation and being exposed to chemicals, all of these things create internal stress in the body. And we can do a lot about those types of stressors. We can't do a lot about the stressors that are episodic, but your body's designed to handle those. So addressing those where we can is the second step because now we're really setting up a really stable foundation for the endocrine system to perform optimally. Because now we're taking away the two big things that put us on orange alert, you know, and, and take our energy away from, you know, reproductive function and sexual function and fertility. Uh, so, so that's the second step. And then the third step is really looking at the pathways of elimination to support optimal estrogen metabolism. Unfortunately, in our modern society, we're exposed to more xenoestrogenic substances than at any other time in human history. And, and it's not easy out there for ovaries these days. You know, we're, we're under, it, our cycles are under siege. Our fertility is, is very compromised because we've got the neighbor spraying their lawn with something, or there's pesticides in your food, or you live near a golf course, or, you know, 
who knows what's going on? And these things you can't do so much about, but you can start to eat in a way that really optimizes that estrogen breakdown so that it's not, and supporting your estrobolome in the microbiome so that you're really a well-oiled machine. These first three steps are what we refer to as like the cleanup, the triage phase of the flow protocol. The last two steps are really about the long-term new relationship that you're going to have with your body and your hormones that is ongoing. Because you're absolutely right. Um, It is a mindset shift from attacking and sort of picking apart symptoms and correcting things to being in a new relationship with yourself where you're listening and responding in real time as things change on a continuous basis. Because, I mean, I'm not the same person I was yesterday. So whatever, what I need today is dependent on what's going on today and learning how to navigate that is really important. So the fourth step of the protocol is what, what I have termed cycle thinking. So this is a way in which we learn how to eat and how to organize our priorities and our exercise, um, in, in synchrony with our, uh, menstrual phase. Because our brain actually shifts by 25% each week of the cycle um, in size, in cognitive uh, prioritization. And our physiology is also slightly modified by this fluctuating ratio of estrogen and progesterone. And we need to nourish ourselves distinctly in each phase. Some phases are more estrogen dominant than other phases. And we need to do more with raw foods in some phases and less with raw foods in others. A juice every day is not necessarily the right thing for most women. In fact, it can be very bad, especially if there's thyroid issues or other things going on. And it allows for the maximum you know, exposure to a wider variety of micronutrients so that you can feel like you're getting everything in, but not trying to worry about, am I getting it in every day? And of course, with exercise and work, making sure that you're exercising appropriately for each phase of the cycle is such a huge way to take stress off the adrenals, et cetera, as well as, um, you know, planning your work around your cognitive strengths. Like you're just creatively different in each week of the cycle and and, and it's predictable and regular. So why wouldn't you plan for it to maximize your creativity and your output without adding more stress? And this is what I love about this piece, because once I got through the first three steps, I thought, okay, so I'm feeling a lot better. My symptoms are clear. The weight came off. My skin cleared up. My cycle came back. But I looked at my life and I thought, how am I going to get through the rest of my life if I don't fundamentally shift the way in which I'm relating to my body? And as I was studying the cycle and the patterns of the cycle and all of this and circadian rhythms and all, it just sort of became obvious to me that, in fact, the pattern of the hormonal shifts of my cycle was the blueprint that I needed to have to create a structure for my time management and my self-care management that allowed me to do it in a sustainable way long term. And that's really the the biggest um, magical thing we do at Flow Living is getting women to this place where they're cycle thinking for sustainable, sustainable self-care. When I was 18 years old, you know, much like you, when when I was 15, I was in Mm pre-med at a college and decided I was going to have a very different life and very different training because, you know, this was in 1981. So as you know, there was just nothing that one could study really easily. You had to kind of create your own path. 
And I had a mentor from when I was 18 to, well, until she passed away about 10 years ago. But she was a woman named Janine Parvati Baker. And she wrote the first book on, modern book on herbal medicine for women. And it was based on goddess archetypes. She wrote that like as wow. ma- master's thesis at, at for Esalen or some, you know, Institute for Psychology master's in, in uh, California. And she wrote the first prenatal yoga book. And she was incredibly dialed into cycles. And so she you know, at the ripe age of 18, she had me doing things like really charting my emotional and cognitive space throughout my cycle as part of my studies with her. But even things, for example, starting to pay attention to what choices I was making based on where I was in my cycle. And it's so funny, I had this red sweater that my grandmother had given me, and I would always go for that red sweater a certain time of month. And then like that day I would invariably start my flow. And I was like, this is so weird. Or, you know, I would notice that in mid cycle, whenever I was at the grocery store, it would be the time of month that men would be much more apt to flirt with me. And I was like, oh, that's when I'm fertile. And I would start noticing, oh, my creative ideas come when I'm fertile. But right before my moon time, yeah, I'm just not feeling like putting out a whole lot of thought function or you know, it's not, not when I'm yeah. feeling like doing my, right. my writing. I'm not feeling like sitting right. at my desk. It's when I'm feeling like connecting with other women. And so I learned really young to honor that. And it's been such an amazing thing. I mean, you know, in medical training, for example, there were times, yes, I had to show up and take a board exam on my period, which wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. And so you learn to kind of do it. But um, I think that that is such a powerful way to start to learn to have what I feel like is a word that you've used a few times that I want to highlight, which is conversation. You talked Mm. about the sugar conversation, the estrogen conversation, um, you know, the conversation, the listening to our bodies, so powerful. And as women, we're taught from the earliest age to just start to ignore how we're feeling. And it sounds like that listening to your body, it sounds like you were already someone who felt pretty confident listening to your own instincts. And that's beautiful that you showed up in that parking lot and said, I need this. And you, you allowed yourself to say, no, thank you. And unfortunately, I think a lot of women haven't found their voice yet. It's part of what my book is about is becoming an empowered, uh, and not, I, I don't even want to use the word patient, an empowered partner in your care. How do you translate that for women who are doing the flow living piece? How do you help women find their voice and find that sense of empowerment? I mean, again, the body, you know, as a woman, your body is guiding you to get to a place where you can't help but speak your truth and express yourself like it and it will it will gently nudge you or it will forcefully force you, you know, in terms of a health crisis. And so it isn't even something that necessarily if you don't want to be focusing on in terms of like, oh, I want to start using my my voice more, your body will, if it's not happening, your body will create an an opportunity for you to make that something that you have as a skill where you can really um, know your truth and express that truth. I feel so, I mean, my whole arc has been one of being so, having my, the center of my body or, or the connection between myself and my female essence and my body just so not working, right? To to one where having totally reclaimed that, 
the, the learning from both having been in both of those worlds where it was broken to now where it's highly functioning is that our bodies are there really to be our best guide, to lead us to ourselves, to lead us to an optimal lifestyle, to lead us to pursuing our passions, to being the container for those dreams. And it's like a beautiful thing, you know, and I, I get real emotional about it and very expressive about it and very poetic about it because I, I feel so profoundly grateful to my body for gifting me with this opportunity to to be this self-connected and self-aware because it's, it just it enriches every aspect of my life. I have a very um, strong belief that is based on working with women for so long that, well, it's super important for us not to blame ourselves or beat ourselves up for causing our own symptoms. I hmm. feel that symptoms have a very powerful story to tell us. I mean, just one wacky example is I was what? teaching a class one time and a woman asked me if she could ask me about her eczema. And hmm. I said, you know, do you want to talk about it at the break or do you want to talk about it now? It was a small, intimate group, so it, would, you know, it was appropriate for her to bring it up. She said, yeah, um, I'm happy to talk about it now. I, she said, I'm having eczema. And it's only under my wedding ring. And so, you know, I said, are you allergic to any metals? Have you been having any reaction to your earrings? She said, nope, just under my wedding ring. And I said, do you want to be sure you don't want to talk about this at the break? And she said, no, no, I feel really comfortable. And I said, well, tell us more about it. And she starts crying and crying. And yeah. she had had her third baby eight months prior and at the beginning of the pregnancy started suspecting her husband was having an affair. And then yeah. right after the baby was born, she found out, in fact, he had been. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just one of these examples that I have seen a story, heard a story over and over. So one of the things that I have taken to asking women in my practice, and I, I'm curious to see what you think about this, is, again, a non-blame question. But mm. how is this symptom serving you? And how can you get what you need in a different way? So for just, you know, the women who have said, yeah, the only time I ever get time to myself is when I'm having horrible menstrual pain and I can have an excuse to take time off. So what are, what are your thoughts around that mind-body symptom manifestation connection? Oh, I mean, it's so, it's so much fun when you start to track your symptoms. And this is one of the reasons why I created a, an app um, for this very purpose, the MyFlow app is like, I want you to really dive in each week and pay attention to those symptoms because they're telling you everything that you need to know about what's working for you in your life, what's not working. And, and I love it, you know, because this is an opportunity for us to really reframe kind of the, oh, the conditioning, the programming, the cultural mythology that we receive about ourselves as women because of our cycle, like, oh, you know, you're just hormonal, and so therefore anything that you're thinking or desiring or wanting at this phase of your cycle is just, it's, it's void. It's not valid because you're hormonal. But I would reframe that to say, if there's something coming up, if you're really upset with your partner every month about the same thing in your luteal phase, that is not to be ignored. That is to be honored, brought to the surface and discussed in a, in a productive, positive way, because there's something that needs to change. I mean, the whole purpose of the cycle is to create continuous change, not just in your body so that you could potentially be a vessel for conception, but also 
to create forward momentum in your life because if you let the cycle and its symptomology inform your thinking about the things in your different categories of life, you will continuously have forward momentum and not get stuck and not allow situations that might be suboptimal to create stagnation and to linger much longer than they need to be. And I think that, again, the body saves. The body always is there to... to take you higher <laughs> if you let it I agree yeah I mean you gotta you gotta definitely pay attention to your symptoms and like in that case the example that you gave if you're someone who can only get time off quote unquote when you're suffering then you know it's really about backtracking into well, where else can you let the steam off you know in other other weeks of your cycle so that you don't have to collapse into suffering as your only justification for relaxation. Well, and I think a lot of women feel the only time they can ever get time off is when they actually hit the wall and get sick, as opposed to actually strategically advance planning, staycations, time to ourselves, just that nurturing time. You know what you were saying about the luteal phase and things coming up. I think of the luteal phase as sort of little mini menopause in the sense that... It's the time in our lives when our executive function, it's not that our executive function goes down, but our, our veil between our truth and what we suppress gets a lot thinner. And, you know, I find for myself as I'm hitting, you know, I've just hit 50 and as my hormones are shifting, although I'm still cycling 100% regularly, I can tell that shifts are happening in my body. And part of that shift is actually not really caring so much what other people think about me and speaking my truth more. And I recognize that as the little preludial or the little luteal phase truth telling. Yeah. And how beautiful because, you know, if you, and this is what I love about cycle thinking, if you know that this is coming, you know, how can you use that to your advantage every month? Who do you need to have an honest conversation with? It takes your relationships deeper. It takes you higher. It helps with your own self-evolution. But yeah, I mean, I love everything about leaning in more to what's happening in each of the phases of the cycle because it gives you a nice framework to follow. So with leaning in, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. And I want to talk more about the app because that's where I was thinking of going with you too with that question I asked you. But um, leaning in has become kind of a meme, right? And even Sheryl Sandberg, who talked about leaning in, had a major awakening in her life and realized that leaning in, and when we talk about leaning in, it's this idea of sort of having everything, having it all and having it all at the same time. And I think that that mythology for women has been so detrimental. It's a killer. It's It's like you cannot do everything for everyone. There's not 300%. You can't give 100% to your family, 100% to your job and 100% to yourself and your your world. Um, And I, I think the leaning in is, is uh, we're talking about a different kind of leaning in. We're almost talking about like a, listen, a listening in. So <laughs> share with me what your thoughts are. You're a mom now and you're an entrepreneur. How are you finding <laughs> I mean, I know how I find that balance in my life. And it's, it's really by not trying to lean in. It's about trying to do exactly the opposite. It's about finding that rhythm in my life and really being comfortable hitting the pause button, even, even though sometimes, of course, things do get really busy at once. And I say, okay, I maybe can't hit the pause button in a big way right now, but I can hit it for five minutes every day, or I can hit it for an hour before I go to bed. So talk to me about the, the sort of leaning in that doesn't work for women in your experience, the listening in or leaning in that does. And, and again, let's talk about the app and how it helps women with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, in my practice, I've been doing this now for 15, 16 years, and I have seen thousands of women from just about every continent who, because we do everything virtually at Flow Living, 
I always like to say, if you have ovaries and an internet connection, we can help your period, <laughs> you know, because I just, I, I you know, that was the other thing that came out of the whole, um, experience of not having anywhere to go. Once I got that horrible, you know, prognosis and then like, Oh, by the way, we can't really do anything for you. I thought, are you kidding me that it's, it's 19, whatever it was, 90, whatever. And there's no place for me to go that I could, that's, you know, there just wasn't anywhere. So I thought if I could figure this out, I'm going to build a place for your period. So that's what flow living is. It's the place for your periods, <laughs> you know, where you can just address those issues. But for me, you know, when I think about leaning in, I think about it from a very different point of view. In my practice, I see so many women struggling with their hormones more and more. We're under siege. There's so much going on. We need a different paradigm, altogether in order for us to succeed and thrive and, and stay healthy in our lives. We cannot do it under the masculine patriarchal, um, paradigm. We just, it's just not going to work. And, you know, it isn't going to work not because that's like a nice idea or it's a, I'm coming from an academic place as a feminist or whatever. I'm really coming at it from the standpoint of we are actually governed by our physiology a lot more than we'd like to admit. But again, this idea that man can transcend his nature and nature in general is that of the patriarchy. Well, and, and it's actually the principles upon which Western medicine was built by Bacon and Descartes, which is women. True, true, true. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it has <laughs> yeah. not, there are more women in medicine and medicine has shifted in some sectors, but the fundamental yeah. philosophies are still nature doesn't have to have the last word. And what I have found in my research, and I know that you have too, is that, that in fact, your, your physiological reality dictates your reality, period. Yeah. It does. I mean, you are, you are the sum of your animal parts, and how you take care of those will dictate how well they perform and therefore what kind of life you get to have. So when I say leaning in, I'm not talking about what Sheryl Sandberg is talking about. And I always forget that she's co-opted that phrase. I should find a new, a, a new one. She's co-opted you... and backpedaled. I know. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess what I'm talking about is deeper alignment yes. with, you need to uh, understand, I mean, and let's not say that this is not your fault, that you, this is maybe the first time that you're hearing about this. I mean, let me assure you that what I was taught in sixth grade sex ed class was by no means the, the level of and depth of appreciation for the cycle that I have today. Um, I, we get that education nowhere. We are not exposed to the functioning of our bodies and our systems and the, spe the special and specific care that we as women need in order for them to, to thrive. We are not given that education at any place, not even in advanced placement biology classes where there is a section on reproduction. If there is a dearth, a, an obvious, strange, quote unquote, interesting lack of information for women to have access to about how their bodies function. And it does hold you back. It does not just with your health, but in every aspect of your life, it does. And so I'm particularly passionate about teaching women this conversation about their cycle, because it's, it is a key, it's one of the keys for you to be really stepping into your power. And, you know, when I mean leaning in, I'm saying, how can you align more deeply with these shifts of your cycle so that you get to have all the gifts that each phase is bringing? 
When one of the you things know. that we are that Western medicine is also built on is yeah. not just this very antiquated and very negative attitude about women's bodies, but one of the very deliberate steps that Western medicine took in its early development in the fifteen hundred or fifteenth century was really aligning or not aligning. We'll, we'll use that word in the positive way, but equating all of the negative aspects of women's bodies with the same negative aspects of nature. So Western medicine is based on both separating us from femininity, women's actual respect, an actual literal respect for women's bodies and a disrespect for nature. And so this concept that nature doesn't have to have the last word is really that man, and I mean that literally man, is is above women and is above nature. And, you know, we talked about this in your interview with me for your, your show, Flow Living TV. And I know this is something we share is that part of this realignment with our body is recognizing that our bodies are also evolved over millions of years to be in alignment with bigger cycles than ourselves. So there's the monthly cycle that you've talked about. And then there's also sort of these 24 hour circadian cycles. And if we're not sleeping and we're not eating rhythmically and we're not honoring our need for activity and rest, we're completely out of harmony with those circadian cycles. And I know it's so easy to sound woo woo about it because um, it sounds so lofty and um, kind of nature spirit, which I totally honor. And at the same time, there's very real translation of this in our chemistry. Our actual chemistry plays this out all the time. Oh, I mean, there's so much, there's so much to unpack there. I mean, I think one of the biggest concerns that, um, you know, I have now that I'm a mother of a daughter and I think any mother of a young girl should be concerned about just the ways in which our present, um, finding ourselves in the midst of a technological revolution, right? We're not in the industrial age. We're in the technological age, the exposure to just, just the screen time alone, just being on technological time is, which is a whole different time construct than natural circadian time and the blue light exposure from those screens, just that, just the blue light alone. I mean, beyond just everything happening like instantaneously and our expectation that it should and how that creates stress in our bodies and trickles down into our cycles. Um, but just the blue light exposure alone is absolutely disrupting melatonin production and potentially unraveling the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian conversation pretty profoundly. I do think that it's only potentially going to be more of a problem for women in ensuing generations where we have more exposure to endocrine disruptive chemicals, we have more exposure to this blue light technology, where we have complete disassociation from sort of natural patterns. We have to recognize that those things are real threats to our reproductive well-being. And I think we do need to recognize as women that it's on ourselves as individuals to protect and preserve our fertility, our cycles, our sex drive um, in a world that's increasingly um, less and less human. You know, as we move into this more technological age, we are gonna, we're going to have to be um, 
living in our own time. And I this is a conversation. With you more. I, I honestly yeah, cannot yeah. agree with you more. I mean, I was, I, I was working on a patient's medical chart today for a patient I saw um, yesterday, and she has a, a host of complex hormonal problems, metabolic problems. And, you know, here I am, this Yale-trained MD with 32 years of experience, two years of working with Mark Hyman in his functional medicine practice, you know, offered to be the medical assistant medical director for IFM. And what am I saying to this woman? Uh, one hour every evening before bed, no blue light. It's not like, uh, you know, this host of fancy supplements or this crazy diet. It's, I mean, we do some of that, but, but all of that in the absence of taking care of those greater rhythms, it really, you can't go as far. And so simply turning off your computer for an hour before bed, having, I call it a down unwinding uh, before bed, you know, just like a one hour of decompressing before bed can do wonders for cortisol. And it's that cortisol conversation that's happening with the brain and the adrenals and the thyroid and the ovaries. It's not, it's not rocket science really. In fact, it's sort of the opposite. It's, it's a weirdly, not meant to be romanticized, but actually very important return to some basic biological rhythms that guide our healthy cycles. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I know it took for me having this cycle break down yeah. for me to be motivated enough to not only switch careers, um, but also, um, really shift everything about my life and my self-care. And I, and I think that's why we kind of get the results we get for women at Flow Living is because everyone is coming to us that is really at that, that maximum point where they just can't take any, another month of, of their symptoms, whether it's PCOS or endometriosis or fibroids or cysts on their ovaries, or they're, they're sick of going through rounds of IVF, or they just want to have a healthy sex life again, or whatever it is they're really motivated to take action because it is a huge, a huge thing to, to realize, to wake up inside of your culture and realize that everything about your culture is not set up for you to thrive. And it's a really huge undertaking to then say, okay, how can I orient myself to myself Yes, and have that be the anchor, have my functioning be the anchor. I don't need to wait for the world to change and everything to be wonderful and perfect and equal and all that. Cause I, I, you know, I think I'd still be waiting, but how can I make myself the center point and specifically those, those rhythms and cyclical patterns that are predictable and reliable and are there for you? How can you lean into those as your way forward? I well, think and, that's and, yeah. the key. Another fundamental, I think, realization for women is not only making ourselves the center point, but actually something that you've seen thousands of times and I've seen thousands of times, but many women have never seen is that our bodies mm. actually do have this incredible capacity to heal naturally. Like we've been kind of, t oh, yes. <laughs> we've been kind of taught that it's like, it, you know, it's some genetic bad luck or it's just, okay. you know, the luck of the draw or it, this it's, is unfixable. It's, it's just, it's just aging. It's, I mean, I had a 22 year old who was told by her doctor that her, her brain fog was just a normal function of her aging. I was like, was, was he looking at her? Did he, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So you have no, created yeah. something very innovative, unique. And, you know, I love that your app is technology because more and more I've been really encouraging my patients and the women I teach to use technology as their friend and to take control of the technology. 
and your app is on technology. Tell us how you got inspired, what it is, and, and, and then how women can get it. Okay. Well, I, I just have to say, I love that you brought up this whole thing about the, the idea that we can fix our problems because that's so true. The mythology of suffering and that you're just destined, you know, the curse, the monthly curse Mm -hmm. and that it's supposed to be bad. I mean, how many times have I gotten emails from people's, you know, gynecologists saying she was here with a preoperative cyst. She's done your protocol for three months and now there's nothing for me to operate on what happened, you know, (laughs) or, or have you ever had the patient whose, whose doctor said, well, it must've never been there in the first place because it couldn't have gone away that (laughs) No, I don't think, I don't think they bothered to email me at that point. But I mean, I I think, I think it's important that women hear those stories, but I think it's even more valuable when you make that your story. Like I know in my bones, what my body is capable of doing because I've lived through it. And I've also witnessed so many other women that I've helped have that be their story. But if you can give yourself three months to make that your story, that you can turn around your health and watch your body flourish you will be forever changed and in a joyful, positive, loving, compassionate relationship with yourself because you're going to just see what your body is willing to do for you if you just give it a few little special things. Anyway, it's a love affair. Well, you know, you just got to start. <laughs> it's true. Um, uh, in the book I talk about, in my book, I talk about becoming your own best friend because, you know, and you and I, we can talk forever, so we have to wrap up soon. Uh, but, um, you know, this idea of the, all the things that we say to ourselves as women that we would never say to our own best friend. Oh, I know. And how I know. can we, it's how so can we start giving our, I love that the idea of giving ourselves these little gifts and little things. All right. So the app, it's right, so, app. Cool. so it's so cool. I, I know it's so cool. It, I, I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would be so deep into technology because <laughs> I'm so deep into science, but this is like a little bit of a stretch, but I, after I wrote woman code and you know, women, would be, I mean, I can't tell how many emails I've gotten. Can you make chapter five? Chapter five in Woman Code is this magical chapter where I sort of outline the four phases of the cycle and what foods you should eat, what exercises you should do, what kind of foreplay you should have, what you should work on at work, everything to optimize your performance in each week and feel your best. And women were saying, you know, could you put that into an app? I mean, I, I email after email for four years, I've been getting this email. So I'm like, okay two years into that email chain, I thought maybe I should do that. You know, that's, uh, that's a reasonable request. (laughs) So about two years ago, I began searching for, um, the people that could help me do this. And it was really important to me that I built, if I was going to build a period tracking app, it, first of all, it needed to be a quantum leap. I mean, I, I think there are many amazing period tracking apps out there that give you a lot of great data stuff that if you want to like geek out on data, that, that that's possible. But there was no, what is, I, I just fundamentally, I would look at them and I'd say, well, what is the point of tracking all of this data if there's no way out, if you can't get better the next cycle, if your next period is going to repeat the same data pattern of the, what is the point of mm-hmm. tracking it at all, except to know that it's going to continuously be problematic and symptomatic. So I thought, well, there needs to be a functional medicine period tracking app. So I built the world's first and only functional medicine period tracking app that also uh, helps you become symptom. 
Yeah, it will. And it's also because the more you use the app to track your symptoms every week, not just the luteal phase or the menstrual phase, but every week of the cycle gives you insight into the root causes of your dysfunction and imbalance um, that will over time, the more you engage with the app, teach you how to become symptom free with food and lifestyle changes. So that's the big first feature of the app is you track your symptoms. Every symptom that you have, you can click through on learn the functional medicine cause of that symptom and what are some foods you can do to get out the next meal right now for dinner. You tell okay, I'm having headaches. What should I eat for dinner? It will tell you. Um, and then the second big thing that it does is it tracks recurrent symptoms and then gives you a customized four week, one menstrual cycle protocol to help you uh, that is aligned with your cycle um, to help you get out of that larger symptom that is plaguing you on a repetitive basis. The third really neat thing that it does is it tells you which phase of the cycle you're in. Because many of us don't know what those phases are, what they mean. We know ovulation because that's famous. We know <laughs> menstruation, that's obvious. But we don't know the other ones so well, and we certainly don't know when they start and stop. So the app will tell you, will give you a little notification, hey, you're in this phase. And then you click through to that phase and it tells you there tells you what that means hormonally, tells you what effects that's having on your cognition. It's your hormonoscope. It's a hormonoscope. It's like it's a horoscope like, for hormones. <laughs> it's actually I think of it more like not a horoscope so much because that's interpretive and up to interpretation. I think of it more as like I would never go outside without checking the weather and the temperature. Mm-hmm. It's your daily hormonal forecast. I love it. What should you know, so it tells you not just what's going on hormonally, but what you should be eating, what foods are ideal for that phase, what exercises are ideal for that phase, what to focus on at work, what to focus on in relationship. And it allows you with two taps to schedule the preferred activities from that phase in each of those five categories right into your master life planner calendar, whatever so you're, you're not, using. So you're not going and scheduling your GRE for the first day of your period and... Right, you, you know, depending unless, on unless that's who you are, it's not necessarily the best timing for that. But you know, it's really about um, how can you start to, and it isn't about being perfectly rigid. You know, it's about how can you just turn up the volume on the activities that are more aligned with that phase of the cycle, so you can have less friction with what's happening physiologically to you. The more you reduce that friction, the more you have creative flow. The more you have less stress impact on your endocrine system as a whole, the more you just optimize your life and your joy. Um, so it, it just takes all the thinking out of it. So you don't have to become like a period geek like me and know exactly where you are and what to do and memorize that chart. So it's just there for you and your fingertips. And it's literally like having me in your back pocket telling you, okay, well, if I have a breakout on my chin, what does that mean? What should I eat this week? It's all there for you. Um, and you were just and then, fe- featured in Vogue, and this is catching on. It's catching a little fire. Vogue and Glamour. Yes, and it. we have, like, the other cool thing about the app, the, the third key feature is the partner sync feature. And this this was born out of um, co- t- classes where I've taught mixed gender audiences and the response that I would get from men and my own partner. But, of course, it works regardless of who you're loving, men or women. You drop in their email address into the partner sync feature, and the app will notify that partner, your beloved lover person, when and only when you've entered a new phase and give them a little hormonal dossier of what's happening and how they can support you best in that phase with food in terms of like, should they be home cooking for you? What groceries to buy? Should What kind of dates they should be planning with you? 
in the house, out of the house, with friends, without friends, or should they leave you alone? And then what kind of sex to be having with you? What so kind of cool. foreplay is optimal? So that we can really include our partners who so desperately want to win with us, who so desperately want to please us. We can inform them and empower them to do that with predictability and success at every stage of the cycle. I get emails every day from guys being like, holy expletive, this is the best thing ever. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Thank you so much. Okay, We're that's freaking genius. I mean, just to give you an example, my daughter, who's 28, was at my house with her boyfriend of several years. And yeah. she was kind of feeling a little irritable. And really what she needed was alone time, but the whole family was yeah. at my house. And her boyfriend was in the kitchen and he looked at me. He said, do you think she's about to get her period? I was like, do not say that out loud to her. I was like, mm -mm -mm. yeah, there's a, listen, there's a, there, of course you could, um, there's a way to talk about these things in an empowering way. Exactly. And I think what men, men, men are not fundamentally wanting to, um, make it a slight when they right. say that they're just trying to figure out what's going they, on. What's the weather? They want to interact. They want to yeah. know what the weather is. They yeah. want to know how to be prepared. Men are so practical. They're like, give me the recipe. I will bake you that cake. You know, but also men are already, this is basically, this is called biohacking. This app will allow yeah. you to optimize and biohack your natural female cycle. Men are so into this and have been into this forever. I mean, no Olympic athlete would train without honoring their circadian patterns and testosterone production and cortisol for flexibility and muscle building optimization. And, and you've got guys like Bulletproof and Tim Ferriss who are like into the nootropics because poor men only have a 24 hour cycle and we have a 28 day cycle. They've got to really squeeze out as much productivity as they can. in just that one day, cause it's groundhog day for them, but it's not for us. And so I think that, you know, men already know that there's a way to hack into their system and they, they're just waiting for us to do the same for ourselves. Um, and I think that it's time for us to just really own and operate our bodies for our own well being and our own, um, you know, just whatever it is you're here to do, you're going to get there faster if you're using cyclical technology. That's for sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, okay. You have your book, which women can get. You have your app and you have a practice. I'm going to put all the links below, but tell us so who, women who are listening and not looking can, can hear sure. so find you, you right now. <laughs> right now. Okay. So the book is called Woman Code as one word. And uh, you can get that anywhere books are sold. Um, the website uh, where the practice is and where all the period, the place for your periods, that's flow, F L O living.com. And then the app is called my flow and you can get that at my flow tracker.com. It's brilliant. I'm so excited. And this is a conversation I want to pick up with you again and again. So let's, I know we'll be talking offline, but let's chat with, with each other online too. Cause it's just such a rich conversation. It's wonderful. Yes, yes. yes. I adore Absolutely. you. Thank you for spending Likewise. time with me today. And we'll get all those Thank links up because there are going to be a lot of women you're going to be hearing from and maybe uh, some well. men too. <laughs> <laughs> I love it all. I love it all. Thank you, Aviva, for having me. It's such Thank a pleasure. You. Okay, everybody. I know this has been a really amazing conversation that you've enjoyed. So, you know, give us some, give us some likes and comments and I'll get those over to Lisa too and check out her app. It's really amazing and cool. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health 
naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.